we come to you tonight with an emergency podcast. We, we just could not wait until Tuesday to talk about the big news of Monday night. Moments before the tip-off of tonight's, of tonight's national championship game, reports hit the Twitter that Chris Mullen will resign as head coach of St. John's. So we really need to talk about that right now. There's nothing really else going on in college basketball. The game was kind of a snoozer. You know, not even close, just, you know, decided early. Brendan, what do you think about the St. John's uh, coaching situation? I know you're not a big Chris Mullen fan. No, I'm not. 20-58 uh, in the uh, the Big East for Chris Mullen. Um, sounds like St. John's is going to go after Bobby Hurley. It's something that I had heard about a week or so ago, but then or a couple of days ago, um, I think it's Mike Cragg, the, um, the AD at... Uh, um, at St. John's, announced that it, um, Chris Mullen's going back. And so then, of course, okay, well, I guess, uh, he, literally the statement was, let me be clear, and I said from the start, Coach Mullen is our head coach, and we are not looking <laughs> for another head coach. That was on April 6th, two days ago. The old vote of confidence. Two days later, yeah, the dreaded vote of confidence. And now two days later, uh, Mike Craig, who used to be at Duke, no surprise that the two names that people are talking about are um, – are Bobby Hurley and John Shire. Certainly the very poor record, the very bad start of finish of the season, and um, the fact that already they had a recruit uh, decommit, a really good point guard recruit, must have had um, the you know, St. John's ID, AD, um, Mullen, some other options. And so that's, uh, that's how we ended up here with Chris Mullen out as alma mater. Yeah, so, you know, we had something unexpected. Everybody thought one thing, there was no, there was a change of events with Chris Mullen, and that's the only change of events that happened this weekend in college basketball. Nothing else. Everything else was, like, pretty straightforward. No dramatic mm-hmm. turnarounds. No controversial calls. No nothing. Nothing at all to talk about. Yeah. Double bonus the rest of the way. Double bonus as well. right. Two free throws. Both teams will be on the double bonus, so we'll have two the rest of the way. Okay, well, let's welcome you to the first edition of the Double Bonus Podcast of the 2019 offseason. We come to you minutes after Virginia has knocked off Texas Tech to win the national title in overtime, 85-77. It is the 25th episode of the Dola Bonus Podcast. Um, and uh, what, do you, what are your first thoughts about this um, surprising, just surprising turnaround like seven or eight times, whether it's from last year against UMBC, whether it's three different times in the tournament this year, uh, maybe even four times if you count Gardner-Webb. What are your immediate thoughts? Virginia is national champion. So Virginia hit a three with like 12 seconds to go in this game to tie the game. And this is by far the most likely chance they had of winning the game of the last three games. The regional final against Purdue, it took a miracle pass after intentionally missed free throw. The semifinal against Michigan State, which we'll talk about in a second, it took three free throws on after, after a foul call in the corner on a three that was shot with 0.6 seconds left when they inbounded the ball down two with 1.5 seconds left. Today, just a ho-hum. DeAndre Hunter, three from the corner, and then a nice ho-hum 11-0 run in overtime to put this game away. A game they led by 10 in both the first half and the second half. For all this talk about how great Virginia is at you know playing from the lead, they've now blown 10-point leads in three different times in the Final Four. But they won. It's a huge credit to Tony Bennett 
and Virginia, after the humbling loss, the 20-point blowout loss, not only they just lose to NBC, they got blown up by 20 uh, last year. They come back, they have their Houdini X in the regional final and the national semifinal, and then they control most of this game. You felt like most of this game they were going to win, but then it looked like down the stretch they were going to lose, and here they are, national champions. So full credit to them. Uh, they were the number one ranked Ken Palm team all year, and they back up the computers with a tremendous win and a tremendous national championship game that really, especially after the first five minutes where the Twitterati were going off about this game, saying how bad it was, really just blew the expectations out of the water and was a legitimately great basketball game, in my opinion. Yeah, um, in case you don't know who we are, I'm Brendan DeRocher yeah. with co-host Tom Borstein. Uh, we are the Double Bonus Podcast. Double Bonus, not a great tournament for Double Bonus, i got to say. One of the lowest... Uh, fewest fouls of any tournament maybe ever if you read Ken Pomeroy's article in The Athletic uh, not too long ago. Uh, That's good news for basketball fans, but bad news for our free marketing pitch. Uh, We didn't want to spend money to advertise, very expensive to advertise on uh, on TNT. Even True TV is way, way out of our marketing budget, but um, we figured we get a a lot of free publicity with all the double bonuses that we get called out, but luckily by overtime, we did have double bonus. Uh, I think both teams ended up there. Uh, Certainly think, Virginia, Virginia did. Just Virginia? Yeah, I don't think Texas Tech ended up in the double bonus, actually. Yeah. So we're the Double Bonus Podcast, Double Bonus Pod on Twitter, doublebonuspod.com, um, doublebonuspod at gmail.com if you want to email us your questions, thoughts, concerns. Um, or you can, of course, download, subscribe, review five stars or more on um, Apple iTunes Podcasts, uh, Google Play Music, Spotify, Podbean, um, and wherever better uh, free podcasts are sold. Um, I got to say, like, it's interesting. We've had the last – you look at, like, the last four or five years, maybe even longer, of college basketball, and the two – there's been, I could say, two or three teams that have been consistently the best teams in college basketball, and it's been Villanova, Virginia, and you could say North Carolina. They obviously – Maybe not quite as consistently good, but they made a championship game and lost on the last second shot and then won the the next year. But with the last two years, you can argue you've had the two best programs of the last five or so years win national titles and do it in entirely different ways. Both slow-paced teams, Villanova last year and Virginia this year, but Villanova had one of the most dominant runs to the NCAA championship in history. And Virginia, an excellent, excellent team, um, their just efficiency margin, I think, is going to be better than Villanova's um, was last year. But yet their NCAA tournament run could not have been uh, more unlikely uh, based on what Tom said. We had Gardner-Webb down by 14 as a one seed in the first round. Even Oregon with game was very close late. And then the Purdue and Auburn uh, miracles, really. Um, and then this was not quite a miracle, but, um, you know, this is one th- one theme that I noticed in this game is Throughout this season, Texas Tech would force teams into situations where they had to make quick, difficult decisions, make the difficult pass after being forced baseline, forced away from the middle of the floor. And time and time again, Virginia made really, really good passes and really, really good plays, whether it was primarily Ty Jerome, but we saw DeAndre Hunter do it as well, uh, especially those two. And in that, this play, down three at the end of regulation, Jerome drives, Draws the defender, maybe some overhelping off of DeAndre Hunter in the corner. Again, they're up three, so a two-pointer doesn't really hurt you. Uh, Jerome immediately, when he goes up in the air, 
finds Hunter open, which is great, and he's wide open. He still has the shot. And DeAndre Hunter's last 25 minutes of this game will go down in history, and I'm not exaggerating, as one of the best 25 minutes that any player has played um, in a big spot in college basketball history. Yeah, he finished with a career-high 27 points. He hit that big three. He had 7-9 from the line. He was 8-16 of 16 from the floor. He hit four of five threes. And I think of the eight misses, he probably missed, had six of those misses in the first half. Yeah, he was uh, he was very good in the second half. He had at one point CBS showed a graphic. He was he had, it was amazing in the second half against Michigan State. He was five for five. And then at one point he was four for four in the second half. Uh, that was after the three. But he was uh, he was tremendous. And again, what you said exactly. I think that was a bad defensive breakdown by Texas Tech. You're up three. You don't need to help off of Hunter in the corner. He's wide open. He's He's, it's a it's not a it's not like a shot you feel super confident he's gonna make but it's one you don't want him taking wide open and he did and he made it and I think Texas Tech's defense which really um, this is a, you know probably a bit of their falling victim to the expectations they created for themselves they were so good this tournament just shutting teams down just you know holding them way below their averages just like making them look lost adjusting after the second adjusting after halftime the first 10 minutes of the second half just blowing teams out of the water. And this, they played a poor game, I think, and that was that was just one example of it. That three in the corner, uh, that Hunter made, time and time again, when Texas Tech was trying to get back in this game in the middle part of the second half, they couldn't get a stop when they needed it. Virginia really torpedoed some would-be Texas runs with some excellent um, uh, plays. They got a lot of open looks from three. They hit 11 of their 24 threes. Uh, their free throw shooting, obviously, Texas Tech can't do anything about, but they were 20 of 23. Uh, I just feel like. Their defense, which was so good, so so good through the first part of this tournament, the first five games, just had a you know okay to poor night, not a terrible night, but a okay to poor night, and that just did not that just was a killer for this for this team uh, against Virginia, who obviously is one of the best offensive teams in the country. Yeah, I think that's one thing that's uh, because they play so slow with their pace. Virginia's offense is perennially underrated. Um, they entered this game, I believe, second or th- oh, I think it was third in adjusted yeah, offense third. in the country, which is actually better than what their defense is. Uh, by my math, this was a 70-possession game, including overtime, and Virginia scored 85 points, which is more than 1.2 points per possession. And if my math is correct, uh, the most points allowed per possession this season by Texas Tech before tonight was 1.13 in a loss to Baylor on January 19th. Uh, in a game where they also gave up 11 three-pointers on 29 attempts. This was 11 for 24. Um, So when you think about it, people probably won't remember it this way, but this is one of the great, I would say, great all-time offensive performances in national championship final history for the a team to score more than a point 1.2 points per possession against a Texas Tech defense that basically just stifled everyone all season long, and especially in the NCAA tournament. They had allowed their their most points per position they allowed was point nine seven against Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. Gonzaga also a ter- the best offense in the country actually this year. Other than that, it was point eight one to Northern Kentucky, point eight eight to Buffalo, point seven one to Michigan, point eight five to Michigan State, and for Virginia to score one point two plus is you know I, I'm estimating but based on eighty five points seventy possessions one point two one is uh, really phenomenal um, and. One thing that I noticed in this game that they were doing that you haven't seen other teams do is pump fake. It's, it's, so, it's not so simple, but Texas Tech is so aggressive 
Virginia was pump faking, pump faking, pump faking, and turning those pump fakes into either open looks. I remember there was a one time when Ty Jerome pump faked and uh, and stepped back and hit a three, um, and then other times pump faking and turning that into into drives to, for open shots. Um, and time and time again, especially Ty Jerome with his nine assists, Kihei Clark with four assists, um, fifteen assists on 27 made baskets, but Ty Jerome especially, I mean, he's not going to get as much credit because he only had 16 points, whereas Hunter had 27, and Guy had 24, and Jerome was only 6 for 16 from the field, but what he did do is he found his teammates open. He drove, and he passed, and they hit shots. Uh, that's something no one team had done against Texas Tech, really, not much all season, and certainly not in this NCAA tournament. No, I think that's a great point. The pump fakes, Texas Tech just couldn't shut him down completely. And, it, and Virginia credit them. I think the biggest part of this game, obviously, and other than the uh, last minute of regulation and the overtime, was at the start of the second half when Virginia opened up a lead. That is a time of the game throughout the all tournament where Texas Tech has just controlled the game and just really shut down the opponents. They did it against Buffalo. They did it against Michigan State in the national semifinal. Um, they did it against Gonzaga. They took control of that game. They were like, Basically, the first 10 minutes of the game, they were averaging like a plus 8, plus 9 scoring margin. In this game, they fell behind again by 10. And then credit Texas Tech for battling back. They were down 10 early in the first half. They were down 10 early in the second half. They battled back. It was really a great game. No one led by more than double digits. Um, and it was just, uh, just, a, just a game. And it wasn't ugly. Like the first five minutes, yes, they were ugly. Everyone was tweeting like, oh, hope you took the under, all that stuff. Texas Tech didn't score for the first. They didn't make a basket from the floor for the first seven minutes of the game. That's like a distant. That's crazy, but that's a distant memory. Like that. That this game overcame a terrible start offensively, especially for Texas Tech. Virginia was fine, and that is going to go down as a classic. The first overtime game in a championship game in 11 years since Kansas beat Memphis. Um, just yeah, I just it was. It, boo, boo, everyone was snarking about it all. All weekend, and I think it really, you know, it was a better game than last year. Obviously not a better game than, uh, probably a better game actually than Carolina-Gonzaga. Not a better game than Gonzaga, uh, Carolina-Villanova. Carolina, yeah. Probably not a better game than Wisconsin-Duke, but maybe, maybe a better game than that. Yeah. So, it's a it's a pretty good game. It, it'll hold its own. It'll It's a better than average national championship game. And for people who are tweeting, I think... Uh, Pat Ford was saying, like, this is the future of the game. Get ready for UConn Butler 2011. No, not what happened. <laughs> that is not what happened. Uh, that game, yeah. This is, yeah, just, I, it was an enjoyable basketball game, a great game with back and forth. You know, I, I think it's interesting. I mean, we did, scoring did drop a little bit this year. Um, it had kind, it would have been trending up a lot the last few years. Um, but, we saw fouls were really low this season and also in the NCAA tournament, especially low. And Virginia and Texas Tech are two teams that don't foul a lot, especially Virginia. And But they, they're not really part of the greater trend, which is for a little bit more pace and especially more um, uh, more efficiency and more three-pointers. We did see uh, 24 three-point attempts from Virginia. But like the future of the game is such a, such a weird thing to say. Like You could imagine that after... Uh, I don't know. I don't even know when. Like the the game was much more slow paced ten years ago, eight years ago, six years ago than it is now. And um and to sort of say like this is these two teams are emblematic. I mean, you can understand. I guess they did so well. They made the the finals. These aren't two teams that have like 
loads of talent relative to you know North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, etc. So you could see like this being a model for other teams, whereas the model, uh, you know, when you see Villanova, a team that ended up having a lot of talent, they had three first round picks plus Jalen Brunson is having a terrific year, but not still not a blue blood kind of top five recruiting class type team. You know, their model, and this is the funny thing about it, it's like one year ago we saw Villanova play beautiful, inspiring offense, <laughs> knock down threes, pace, not so much pace, but space, and just really unguardable offense. And then a year later, people just assume that like, oh, well, Virginia, Virginia's plays slow, Texas Tech plays, is really like stifling defense. This is where the game's going. Even though the previous three years we had Villanova win twice and North Carolina, which is known both for its pace and for its uh, fast break. Uh, win the national title it, it's it, it's it's just it's just bad punditry i guess you would say um and i'm i'm glad that you know it turned out that the game more than um out uh, lived up to there wasn't even much hype people just were kind of killing the game before it even started in the first five minutes of course um and then it turned into a really good game you know most of the game as you said virginia seemed like they were in control but we saw some comebacks late the second half there are a lot of great shots made matt mooney started making shots culver started making shots uh i do want to talk about a couple plays in this game that yes might end up being overlooked so um one we is right at the end of regulation um jerry culver misses a three and the rebound comes down to deandre hunter who's a little bit off balance so hunter has to pass it to kyle guy next to him but kyle guy was going towards the official to call timeout and instead the ball bounced out of bounds. It would have been probably about four seconds left from UVA, UVA ball at the timeout, out of the timeout. Instead, it Plenty was of time for them, ball, by the second way. left. Yeah. Um, and it, this, I mean, obviously Texas Tech didn't win. They didn't score on that shot. Braxton Key, Braxton Key also very big on the glass today, played a great game. It, he play, played, I think, maybe more than Giaquite or about the same as, as Giaquite. Um but he ended up blocking the shot that Jericho took out of that. Like, I think there are three straight timeouts. But that's one play that I think is, well, won't be remembered um, because Virginia won. But it could have been a major, I wouldn't say gaffe, but just like weird play that could have helped decide national title. And then uh, a play that is a little bit more nuanced and con- controversial is uh, when Davide Moretti got a steal late in the game and DeAndre Hunter stripped him out of bounds. It looked pretty clear, both at first glance and at second and maybe third glance. It wasn't until maybe the fifth or sixth glance that the ball might have been touched by Moretti's pinky after Hunt, DeAndre Hunter stripped it, and the replay was slowed down and watched for about five or ten minutes. It seemed like five probably minutes, about more than yeah. five minutes. Yeah, um, and they eventually overturned the call and gave it back to Virginia. And what was, um, you know, it didn't have to decide the game, but it ended up being fairly decisive, especially because Matt Mooney's defense on the next possession. Maybe it wasn't all his fault. Maybe he's expecting a switch or something like that. But uh, Ty Jerome just owned him and got into the lane and got two foul shots. And after that, um, I don't think Texas Tech ever had a shot to tie the game. But those two plays, I want to know what you thought when you saw those plays. Well, first of all, Culver should not have shot that three with 3.5 seconds left. They got the ball with whatever is 12 seconds left after the um, Hunter three. Just take the last shot. Like, I don't understand. Why would you shoot that ball early? It wasn't a particularly good look. It wasn't like it was wide open. He had to shoot it. It was a fine look, but just don't shoot it and give him a chance to rebound the ball. So he shot it with like five seconds left. Then Virginia gets the ball. If they call the timeout properly, Tony Bennett probably has a play where they can inbound and run and get a decent look to win the game in regulation. 
course. And they had another timeout, too. Yeah. They could have taken the ball off the court and then called another timeout. Yeah, so it was to. really sloppy by Texas Tech to shoot the ball then. And then, of course, Virginia, that's just a freak play. But, uh, who got the rebound? Hunter got the rebound, and then he was mm-hmm, ba- mm-hmm. he was stumbling over and tried to get rid of the ball to avoid traveling. And then, yeah, just trying to call a timeout. That was that was a fluke play. That would have been an unbelievably bad way to lose a game. national championship. <laughs> Throw the ball out of bounds after you play defense yeah. on a last shot attempt. Uh, Almost as bad as uh, the other team not getting called for a double dribble and then um, oh yeah then losing on a on a foul and a three pointer. Uh, oh, yeah. we, we can get to that we'll get in, to, in a minute. Yeah, we're working backwards here, but no, I think that was fine. Then what was the other? Oh, the uh, the replay review. There was another replay review in regulation where it, they called Ode- it Odiasi, right? Yeah, they called it on a bounds off uh, Virginia, and then the replay basically like eighty percent suggested that it was Virginia ball, but they couldn't reverse it because. They, what, they call it on the court to be Texas Tech ball. And so that just bothers me because how is that look um, – uh, how is that fair? I don't understand that. But Gene does make – Gene Sartor does make a good point on CBS. He said sometimes when you slow these things down so much, it kind of distorts things a little bit. And sometimes it helps and sometimes it distorts things. And so um, – Tom Tom and Gene are on a first-name basis just to be uh, – <laughs> yeah. maybe even Thomas and Gene. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, but yeah. Anyway, luckily the replays didn't decide everything. It was that was a huge play in the game, though. The replay review that gave Virginia the ball back. Um, so, but yes, I st- honestly that 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 was a very crazy sequence in regulation. Also, yeah, I think the uh, the Moretti plays I think more interesting to me, just because. Well, it reminds me of baseball replays where. You can slow it down, and now these guys are sliding hard into bases, and then they're used to kind of sliding hard, and then kind of have their body kind of hovers over the bases. They slide through it on a double or a steal. Keep you put the tag on, and then guys get called out. Like I feel like that sort of replay is really against the spirit yes, of yes. the replay. Now, technically, sure, yes. Did Moretti touch the ball with his pinky after it was stripped by Hunter? I think probably yes. Uh, did you know? Uh, random player slide through second base, and as he was kind of coming up, his like chest came off the bag a half a beat before his hand went back on it, and he and there was a tag on him. Yes, sure, probably happened, but those aren't really the plays that we're trying to review and overturn. And I think the 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 thing is, you can't if you have the technology and you can slow it down to like sixty frames per second. Um, Way more and, than that, but yeah. Yeah, that then I I don't like I don't know what you do about it. Like, no, you've you opened, gotta, I guess you got to call you've it. You've opened I, I Pandora's box. That's the thing. Like it got rid of the neighborhood playing baseball. It got rid of all this. It got yeah. The guy swiped the ball off out of bounds. It mm-hmm. he he was the one who knocked it out of bounds. It wasn't off Reddy's finger, though it may have been. It's just a weird yeah. But you can't not call it either. So it's very strange. But anyway, yeah. I think it kind of made up for the other call where it was more off of. Texas Tech than off of Virginia. So, um, working backwards, I, I do want to. We're going to get back to Virginia again before the end of the show. This is going to be a fairly quick show because it's it's twelve fifteen on the East Coast, and uh, yeah. we're going to do a fuller kind of post mortem on the 2018-2019 season next week. But we do want to give it to you soon after the game because I know everyone was waiting for it, and you probably, I assume that you've been probably hitting that refresh button on your iTunes for the last several hours. So, um, you know. Now it's here in your in your earbuds, as they say. Yeah. Um. But the, let's move backwards to the second game 
on Saturday night, and mainly because I want to emphasize Texas Tech was one missed DeAndre Hunter three-pointer from winning the national title, basically. Texas Tech. Texas Tech was one missed three-pointer from being national champion. And they got there by basically dominating the entire tournament and embarrassing good offensive teams and good offensive coaches. Uh, I, I wouldn't say they quite embarrassed Gonzaga, but they held them to a point per possession. They completely embarrassed Michigan. Yeah. They pretty much completely embarrassed Michigan State. Um, and I mean, Michigan State was at their lowest field goal percentage of the year. It was their, it was like their lowest. They had 15 made field goals the whole game. Uh, and, you know, after those games on Saturday, you can understand people are like, oh, man, this is this is the future. Everyone, everyone's going to try to be to to um, copy Chris Beard's defense, and then we're going to see all kinds of games played in the fifties moving forward. Um, and I think we saw that's probably not going to happen based on tonight. What teams are still going to try, but ultimately, Chris Beard uh, did an amazing job with the Texas Tech team, and again was one missed three pointer from winning the national title after uh, dominating. Tom is on another Saturday night in the first Saturday night in April. It's a, uh, it's also worth pointing out that Texas tech <laughs> did was predicted to go, uh, finished seventh in the big 12. They lost a lot of their scores from last t- season. I think Jared Culver is only the one of the, the only guy in the top five of scoring who came back. Um, and they just, they dominated a pretty strong big 12 and then dominated the tournament until, uh, came to Virginia. By the way, KenPalm.com has updated. It's 1.21 points per possession in the box score. Boom. For... I believe uh, I was up. To, I updated this for you before KenPalm, although really just you, Tom, yeah. because no one else is going to listen to this. But obviously, so before we're still then, recording. yeah. That's but yeah, game. and 1.10 points per possession for Texas Tech. So much for this ugly, uh, ugly game. Let's see what last year's points per possession were. Obviously, Virginia ended up number two in adjusted offense in the country. They went up for number three. Big moment uh, after this game. Yeah. And Texas Tech finished number one, but they dropped like a full, almost a full point of adjusted points for possession from this game. Yeah, I'm just seeing what what did Michigan get last year? And they log it into Ken Palm. Something's never changed. Uh, Virginia, by the way, more points per possession in this year's national title game than Villanova last year. Villanova 1.18, and Michigan 0.93 last year. Nice, nice. Yeah. So eat your heart out, Twitterati. Anyway, but but no, Texas Tech, true, truly great season for them. Uh, obviously, Chris Beard uh, is amazing. He did an amazing job. Uh, Tony Bennett, just to his credit, also probably outcoached him on Monday night, and that's not that's that's quite an accomplishment. But Chris Beard, an amazing job taking this team all the way to the national championship game. And if DeAndre Hunter misses that three, they're the national champions. That is insane. As a three seed, they were a great team all year. Great defensive team, one of the best defensive teams in the Ken Palm era, uh, and credit should go to them. Uh, against Michigan State, uh, even with Jared Culver missing in action for almost the first, what, 38 minutes of the game, uh, they still were pretty much in control. They had a game, had a lead uh, cut back to one, but they still they were in control that whole game. It was not a pretty basketball game. I think that kind of set the expectations for the championship game, but they were in control, and that was a very good Michigan State team, a team that took care of Duke, um, a team with a lot of talent. And so, yeah, very the top five team in offense and defense, I believe, Michigan State. Yeah, was, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, they had, they were in control of that game for most of it. And to do, to do that to Michigan State, to Tom Izzo, who has made what now? How many Final Fours? Eight? He's, he made eight Final yeah, Fours. Yeah, and he's won yeah. one national title. And so that's apparently a thing, but I think it's making eight national and Final Fours is a pretty good thing to do. Um, 
that was really impressive. So credit to Texas Tech. Um, and yeah, I just think that Chris Beard can do whatever he wants, uh, and will probably get a better job at some point. <laughs> yeah, well, UCLA is swung and missed now on their sixth, fifth, sixth yeah, Rick, coaching Rick candidate. Barnes just since the last time him we like spoke, they, they they lost Jamie Dixon back to TCU. They lost Rick Barnes back to Tennessee. But Chris Beard, you know, they could salvage this whole thing if they throw. I don't know. They apparently were offering five million dollars to Rick Barnes. If they offered six million dollars a year to Chris Beard, would he would he turn it down? That's a discussion for probably next week. But um, I do want to point out that uh, Virginia, 15.8% percent of their possessions were turnovers, which is a very low number against Texas Tech. One, two, three teams the entire season had better, had uh, no, four teams. So they only four teams had fewer turnovers percentage-wise against Texas Tech the entire season. And Virginia Tech's 55.1, sorry, Virginia, Virginia's 55.1 uh, field goal percentage, effective field goal percentage, only, let's see, one, two, uh, just two teams had better shooting nights against Texas Tech. So an all-time, I, I would say an all-time performance from Virginia's offense, considering Texas Tech's defense entering last night had the best uh, adjusted defensive efficiency in the Ken Palm era, and that's his 2001-2002. Uh, let's bounce back to the first game, which was also an interesting game on Saturday night. Auburn against Virginia. Uh, this one was a weird one because the first half, I, you and I were watching this together, um, Auburn did not shoot well from three. Uh, the game was played at Virginia's pace. Of course, Virginia's going to play at the pace. Yeah. You know, I that, that's one kind of misnomer. It's like, well, it's going to be played at so-and-so's pace. It's like, no, Virginia's always going to play slow on offense. There's not, nothing you can do to force them to play fast. Now, maybe you can play fast on offense against Virginia if you want, but like Virginia's going to try to slow you down there because of the style of play. But anyway, so Virginia played Auburn. Uh, Auburn didn't make shots in the first half, but they were up at halftime. Um, and you thought, well, it's actually, they're in a pretty good spot here. Maybe, uh, you know, Virginia is in trouble. And then DeAndre Hunter came out and played great second half of that game. Ty Jerome was great throughout the game. It's a 10-point game. Virginia's leading. Uh, five minutes to play. Ty Jerome picks up his, his fourth foul, hits the bench. And Auburn goes on a 14-0 run, which included, I think, three three-pointers by Bryce Brown. Um, and ultimately, basically had the game up four with less than 10 seconds left. Um, and then they didn't win. What what happened? Well, it was the big three. Who's I forget who hit it, but there was a big Kyle guy hit the Kyle first guy one. hit the yeah. big three to cut it to one. Mm-hmm. And then basically there was a lot of controversy. The <laughs> Auburn was trying to foul and may have actually fouled. Who was a Jerome with a double dribble? And they may have actually yep. fouled him before he dribbled the ball off his foot. So that was one missed call. Then he dribbled the ball off his foot. Then he grabbed the ball without it being deflected by an opponent. Then he dribbled again. That's a double dribble. That's pretty clear. Uh, that's two missed calls. And then they didn't call it, and they committed called a foul. And that got the, that was huge because it allowed Virginia, this is when they're down two, to advance the ball into the front court. They mm-hmm. inbound the ball with 1.6, I believe, left on the clock. And then they get a three in the corner, and he was fouled. Sorry. Yeah, it was a pretty clear foul. Samir Dowdy had a great game for uh, Auburn, but he did foul him. Uh, he was great off the bench, and but he took it. He had a, a really good response in the locker room, whereas some other players in the team, um, I think Harper and Brown, were kind of very upset about the call. Um, 
his mere daddy was not as upset. Uh, probably because he knew he hit him. Probably maybe it's his personality. A Philly kid who's been through a lot. So there's an interesting article on The Athletic about him today. But uh, it's definitely a foul. In that situation, 82%. It makes you a little better than 50% chance probably to make all three. Um, and so most people probably thought he was gonna, it was going to be two. I guess his expected value was like two and a half points there for Kyle Guy. But he made all three. And that's pretty much the game. Um, it's just a weird way for an interesting game to end. I wouldn't call it a great game. It was a strange game. Um, a very fast game. There was no under four timeout in the first half. There was very few fouls overall. Um, there were only 24 fouls the whole game, and like three of them were by uh, two of them were by Virginia intentionally to get uh, Auburn to the line late in the game. Right. Two were by Auburn intentionally because they had fouls to give in the final possession, and then another one was by Auburn unintentionally to foul Kyle Guy. So five of the 24 fouls came in the last like. 12 or 15 seconds um and the rest of the game the first 39 minutes of the game there are only 19 fouls uh, emblematic of how the tournament was played um but I, again it's weird auburn <laughs> virginia was so i i just i this is something I, i'm sure someone will come up with some kind of uh, comparison like you think north carolina state in 83 seems to be the only team i can think of off the top of my head that was this close to losing so many times like that team played Pepperdine and was down big um, and probably should have lost. They played UNLV and they were down and they probably they could have lost. They were in a really close game with Virginia. Ralph Sampson had a shot at the buzzer to, I think, win it. Um, and then in the national championship game against uh, Houston, obviously they, the game was very close and they had the famous uh, putback uh, dunk by Lorenzo Charles. That's like the only team that I can think of at the top of my head that had so many close calls. Uh, I mean, I know Arizona had a couple of close games against in 1997. They went to overtime with Providence and Kentucky in the Elite Eight in the championship game. Um, and they played Kansas in the Sweet 16, a very, very good Kansas team that they beat. It wasn't quite that close, though. Um, but, yeah, I, it's a, like I, that's one of the fascinating things, that this – this is the great DVD that I guess you want. Like it's the great to be the Villanova of two twenty eighteen or North Carolina of two thousand nine, and just like or the UNLV of nineteen ninety, and just dominate your way to national title, never a doubt. Um, my friend Lucas, our, uh, our friend Lucas, was sending me. Uh, we were talking about how unlikely it was that we'd have a game where the Auburn uh, Virginia game where both teams were like less than four percent to win at one point in the game. Like that's like almost never happens. Um, but uh, he said that in Vill Villanova's run last year with five minutes left um, in the game, um, the percentage chances of Villanova for win each game was 100%, 100%, <laughs> 95%, 90 99.9%, and 99.9%. Uh, but that, that's like a kind of a coronation, basically. But this is a really going to be interesting DVD. Like It's going to start with the UMBC loss last year. And then it's gonna um, it's gonna flip to Town 14, Gardner Webb, yep. and then and then it'll go to the uh, the Sweet 16 where they were iffy against Oregon and and uh, Kihei Clark had some big shots, the Elite Eight with obviously the tip from Mamadi Jakite, the pass from Kihei Clark and the make, and then the foul um, of Kyle Guy after the three pointer by Kyle Guy, and then tonight we have DeAndre three pointer and then dominating overtime. Um, I, yeah, someone's going to write the article. It's not going to be me, and someone's going to do the research about the most unlikely national championships 
Um, not based on how bad a team was, because obviously the answer to that question is UConn in 2014. <laughs> <laughs> but based on like in game, like if you had like a championship odds throughout the tournament, no team was below five percent of winning the championship as often as, um, or even one percent probably as Virginia was at various times um, during this run. Ninety-eight Kentucky, I believe, had a couple of double-digit comebacks en route to the championship. The comeback cats. Uh, yeah, I believe. But this, the, I mean, Auburn, these are arguably worse. Like, it's easier to win a game when you trail by 10 at some point in the second half than when you're down four inside 15 seconds. And when you're down uh, two with uh, with one free throw coming in, uh, in uh, with like three seconds left in the regional final. And then, yeah, when you're down two with three free throws coming, you're probably, yeah, you're about 50% to win the game there. So you're probably better, well over 50% to win the game because you make two, you go to overtime. But I just want to say that like, I think that there's this a preconceived notion to judge close calls late in games as not fouls, like swallow the whistles. And I think that does a tremendous disservice to the sport. It was very clearly a foul. Like I was watching with some our, my friend Brian at a bar and he obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but he may have had a financial interest in Auburn winning the game. So of course he was apoplectic at first blush that it was not a foul. Then we saw the replay and we saw that guy had the ball in his hands when the contact was made. It wasn't like it was after the contact, which is something that is still a foul because they wrote the rule that way to protect the shooters. But it was in his hands when his when their bodies hit. It was so clearly a foul. And I just don't get the rush to prejudge these things as not fouls. I think the referees did a good job in calling that. They obviously totally botched the double dribble, which is a very strange play, so I can cut them some slack for that, but it's a missed call, and they should be criticized for that. Um, but it was a foul. And Virginia just all credits them. Like, I don't know how um, you could be a fan of this team and like still have any, I guess the expression is fingernails left, but like you after these three games in the last whatever it is, nine or ten days, from Saturday night of last week to tonight. What an unbelievable run. Think about this in any sport where you have the last three rounds of a tournament of playoffs. You come from behind to win any of to, to, to win the to win all three three games. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were uh, according to Campbell at their minimum going into that last possession, eleven point seven percent to win the game. Uh, and of course in the uh, in the previous game against Auburn, we talked about how twice basically they were down below 10%. Let me uh, get you the actual numbers. They were at uh, they were at a low of 4% um, entering the last possession of that game, um, or at least after the, the second foul when they were inbounding. And then in the Purdue game, I'm not sure we have like a live <laughs> one, like when the ball was tipped and the ball's in the backcourt. But at least I got log in again at Kempom. I'm literally just clicking around the site and then just made me log in, in the middle of that. They had them at nine percent um, when at when they were fouled, I guess, uh, with the game uh, with down three um, with uh, with what five seconds left in that game. Um, but I think when the ball is in Kihei Clark's hands, about seventy feet from the basket, uh, there probably are, are less than a nine percent chance to win that game. Um, yeah, it's going to be a team we'll remember. And that's something we're going to talk about next week. Uh, we're not going to spend too much more time here on this after midnight here on the East Coast. But like, what will we remember about this season? And, of course, the champion is a big part of what we remember. And this is a memorable team for a variety of reasons. And, you know, I think it reminds me, uh, watching the Bad Boys documentary about the Detroit Pistons, about how they kind of had to 
they had to go through the Celtics and they had to go through the Lakers and they sent them years and years and years of people doubting them and saying they weren't good enough and they ultimately won the title and then won it again. And, um, you know, this is very different. It's professional. It's much uh, versus college. It's, it's a different era and a different style. And there was a lot of, but, the, you know, a similar amount of doubt that whether Virginia's style could ever win a national title, whether a team like Virginia with a slow pace and without, you know, a top recruiting classes could do it, um, especially after the lack of success year in and year out in the NCAA tournament, um, which culminated I think twice there were two major uh, moments. One was the dropping the game to Syracuse in the Elite Eight when they were up, I think, 16. It's about 10 minutes left in the game. And then, of course, the 20-point loss to UMBC last year. Um, and so I think that ultimately when you look back on this season, you, you know, I, th- I think you'll think of that Kihei Clark shot and the uh, sort of pass to Jokite, but you'll think of like the journey that Virginia's been on to the point of becoming national champion as being like, it's just a it's unforgettable. Yeah. I will say one thing just to temper it a little bit. They did not beat a one seed or a two seed, which is very rare for a national champion to make it to the final four and win a national championship without beating a one seed or a two seed. And of course they are a one seed. So it's, they can't play a one seed before the final four, but they had a relatively easy road uh, to a championship. But still, mm-hmm. full credit. They and they played, didn't play the 4-5 either. They played a 12 right. in Oregon. They, but um, they played a really good Texas Tech team, and they played a really good... Um, Purdue team. Purdue team. Those are the two best teams they played, and they beat them. And Auburn was playing good, and Auburn had knocked off some really talented teams. So, and you can only play you put in front of them. So, Yeah, it would have been interesting to see if this could end up winning the game. They would have beaten the number one, two, three, and six teams in Ken Palm on the way to the championship. Because they beat Gonzaga, who finished second, Michigan State finished third, um, and Michigan finished sixth. And it would have been interesting to see uh, the last time a team beat three of the top six uh, Ken Palm teams on the way to the national title. Villanova beat North Carolina and Kansas, who were two and three that year um, in their first title run. Um, but Oklahoma, who they played in the national semifinal, was only 10th. Um, so they didn't pull that off. But that, that's pretty impressive, too, to beat two and three when year one. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting, like a kind of memorable gauntlet that Texas Tech ran. But ultimately, it's Virginia with beating three of the top 11, but none of the top other four teams um, on the way to the title. And, you know, it doesn't diminish it, but it does. it's not as epic uh, when it comes to the competition, but it's epic when it comes to the unlikelihood of the combination of victories. Um, I think Matt Norlander in their podcast on CBS said like one in 10,000 chance or something like that. Of uh, I don't know if it's that low, um, but it's pretty low. And so I, it's going to be, it must be sweet for uh, for the would-be assassin, our friend, uh, the UVA fan who's out there in, uh, in Minneapolis. Yeah, I'm trying to click through to see who the last team to have a better adjusted efficiency margin and win the national title. I, I think it was was it Kansas in 08 it might be I think it was Kansas let's look at I've done back to downtown nine here yep not Carolina yeah so they're the yep Kansas was plus 35.21 then yeah the Kansas team was pretty good underrated team number two in offense number one in defense um and they beat some good Kansas, teams on the way to the title they beat two and three yeah yeah they only they only lost three games the whole year yeah um and I think we've talked about this actually in person recently that that Kansas team is not um, considered an all-time great team, mainly because 
they went to overtime in the national title game, and they also lost won a close game to Davidson in the Elite Eight. And they weren't as dominant, and I think that the lack of dominance, uh, even though it's a little bit unfair because Memphis was really, really, really good, uh, and North Carolina, a team that they just destroyed in the national semifinal, was also really, really, really good. Um, and they went through a pretty tough uh, Big 12 that year. Um, the Big 12 was ranked second best conference. You know it was a different era. The number one conference that year was the Pac-10. Yeah. Um, when they had th- that year, they had Kevin Love um, and uh, James Harden was on Arizona State, and they didn't make the tournament that year. But uh, Sanford had the Lopez twins. Um, the different. We don't talk about yeah. that now. But I'm just saying that Kansas was, was really good that yeah. year. Kansas yeah. was really good. <laughs> and the Pac-10 was really good. And now it's 11 <laughs> years later, and Kansas is still good, but had. But we don't remember the 08 team in Beast as we should. And this Virginia team actually has the highest just efficiency rating uh, in 11 years. Insane. Yeah, and uh, to win the title. Obviously, 2015 Kentucky team had a much better efficiency rating, but they did not win the title. So That's true. Yeah, so no, Virginia, full credit to them. Honestly, like, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better Elite Eight uh, Final Four combination plus championship game. The last three rounds of this tournament were stellar, and that's what happens when you don't get upsets. To me, like... That's the way for me. I'm gonna what I'm gonna remember from this tournament is that the last three rounds of this tournament were unbelievable, and there were some great Sweet 16 games as well in Purdue, Tennessee, so mm-hmm. and Duke, um, Virginia Tech. Uh, and this tournament really finished strong. We may not have had the name brands at the end of the season, but we had the number one Ken Palm team in the country win the title, and we had unbelievable games basically the last uh, seven games of the tournament, and that's pretty pretty good maybe you want to quibble at the second semifinal not a great game fine but really the last six of the last seven games the NCAA tournament or or top notch and i think that's a credit to this basketball season the, the name brands weren't there duke was out zion didn't play in the final four you know kentucky was out carolina was out but we got really good basketball and we got a really well-played national championship game uh, and we got a deserving champion well let's leave it there we we gave you forty five minutes uh, after midnight on uh, on a Monday night after one of the uh, the first overtime and I mean it's ironic Virginia has the best efficiency rating since two thousand eight which is also the last time of of a champion it's also the last time we had an overtime game a national championship game uh, Virginia wins it and uh, and that's it for this episode of the bonus podcast uh, DillaBonusPod at gmail.com, at DillaBonusPod on Twitter, DillaBonusPod.com. Rate, review, tell your friends. We'll be back next week with a, a full postmortem on the season. We'll maybe hopefully hear at least by email from uh, from our would-be assassin about what it's like to root for a national champion, something Tom has experienced, something I have never experienced and probably never will. But uh, I can do it vicariously and with great envy towards my friends. Um, so thanks for joining us, and until that time, Tom, any last thoughts to send us off? I just want to say we both picked Texas Tech to win the game, so we should just own up to that. Uh, we had a little tweet today. We should own up that we got the game wrong. I just want to get yeah. that on in, in fairness, much like the AP poll, sometimes more accurate farther away from the game. Yeah. We both picked Virginia on this podcast last week, and then when it came down to a time of game, we both picked uh, me, you because you just abandoned ship, but me more <laughs> because I really like Culver's. Yeah, okay. uh, Culver's fast food. Um, <laughs> check them. Check them out if you're ever in uh, an area with usually Midwest is where there's a lot of Culver's. Probably Minnesota. I've, I had been to Culver's in Minnesota, which is where the Final Four was. Yeah. On that note, we'll check you next time. Uh, thanks, Tom, and I'll see you soon. And we'll hear from you, fans. Well, maybe if you want to write in. If not, yeah, that's fine too. Good night. Good night.
He's got one more. Kansas, at the very least, will have a shot to tie it with 10.8 seconds. Steve with that one. Kansas that one. has made only two threes on the night. They must make one here to extend the game. Collins driving, almost lost the handle. Chalmers for the tie. Got it! In 10 seconds! Unbelievable! Dozier at midcourt for the championship. No, we're going.